Hello, I'm Andy Ivey and welcome to Cycling Life, the Bigfoot Cycle Club podcast. Today, a new hazard on a ride to the Thames. We have now included train left or train right as a result of doing the Green Hive run. We'll hear how old Royal Mail bikes are getting a new lease of life. Bicycle taxi businesses are really, really common and popular. So you'll put a, a, a bench and a cushion on the back carrier and you can carry three or four people on there. And Miles Davison returns, following in the footsteps of Chris Froome, climbing Mont Ventoux, not once but three times in a day with the Bigfoot 8 and a few thousand riders from Belgium. Well, this is the sounds of the ascent number two and it's an absolute party atmosphere. By the way, the next edition of this podcast will feature more from France as Bigfoot's Trevor Richards and Steve Riley are joined by Martin Davy as they cross France north to south from Saint-Malo to Nice. You could see all the way down the gorge. You could see where the road was cut into the side of the wall. Went through three or four arches, over bridges. It was just fantastic. Once we got to the top, um, we met a pair of wild boar, which... I mean, they were really, very, really were very wild because they knew how to get food out of everybody. <laughs> they even got some sweets out of myself and Trevor. But it's not all croissants and vin rouge. The cafes and the boulangeries are getting further and further about, and the one that we stopped at in the valley had already run out of bread at about 11 o'clock. That's next time. But now we're off to Greenhithe on the banks of the Thames. The post on the Bigfoot website forum billed it as an iconic ride of 42.6 miles with 2,090 feet of climbing. And after setting off from Hayes at 9.31 on a Wednesday morning in May, we arrived to find exactly as promised, there is no cafe on the beach at Greenhive. It's about the first day we've seen sunshine in May and we are standing on the foreshore at Greenhive. To my left is the Dartford Bridge, or the Queen Elizabeth II Bridge. I don't know, what is that oil refinery or something on the other side? It's the Thurrock Oil Storage Facility. This is Steve Pike, who's the club chairman with us on our ride. Uh, and this is what you describe as the iconic ride. Why is that? Yes, we do this one once a year, uh, the ride to Greenhithe for the uh, Greenhithe Riviera here. <laughs> uh, sun, sea and sand. Well, it's And seaweed. Pretty, quite a lot of that. <laughs> oh, and the occasional ship going past. But it's a, it's a beautiful ride, it has been so far. Yeah, some quiet roads. We had a hairy moment around the Garrett Valley Hospital with a, a couple of old deers in a Nissan Micra, which uh, I think they were trying to avoid the queue at the roundabout, and they kind of backed out of a turning that they were in and um, hadn't quite realised that there were seven cyclists there. <laughs> they were very very glad just to be out of the queue, but uh, yes, didn't look, didn't look to see the cyclists. But yes, this is uh, an iconic ride. This is one uh, for the record books in, in uh, Bigfoot. We have no less than 21 crossings of railway lines, uh, one of which we've had to actually carry our bikes across because it's a busy, um, busy main line. Yeah, that was stone crossing, uh, so you had to go to the ticket office and ask if we could cross. Permission to cross. Uh, uh, so, to the right is Gravesend, and that's actually the way we'll be leaving uh, to continue some of the greater features of this ride. North Kent's finest collection of power pylons, for sure. That has to be a, a real attraction mm. on this ride. Certainly nowhere else, I think, in the world has a finer collection of, <laughs> of electricity pylons. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yes, I said earlier, this is um, uh, an interesting mix of, of modern development and the remnants of the old naval and, uh, and uh, marine trade. So there are many pubs, like the one called the John Franklin in the High Street, um, the, one, uh, the ones that deal with uh, the rope making. And along to our right, we've got um, some modernised old, uh, old houses. But you can still see the, the ancient history of this place um, in amongst the new building. 
and just to the left of us, although we can't see it from here, is a rusty old derrick, and in there is a small dock for, for bringing in small tugs, small fishing ships. And all that's disappeared now, I guess. All gone. Mm. Just the mud. <laughs> that's all we have left, is the mud. <laughs> when did it all decline, do you think? In the 50s? Uh, yes, 50s, and by the 60s, pretty much gone. So, uh, but 50s, this was still, uh, still working. Uh, I had family who worked on this river, so I know here. <laughs> all right, so, so if we'd been here, what, 50 years ago or so, we'd be looking on a much busier river, because uh, apart from a couple of container ships, there's not much else going on. Uh, that's right. The, uh, this would be full of uh, tugs taking larger ships up to, um, up to the London docks. But those are now, of course, uh, uh, all built over. Um, the change came when the ships grew. Um, they were just too big to get up the river. Um, at low tide, there's only, say, about 30 feet of, river in, of water in the river at the moment, and a little less as you go, as you go west. OK, well, we're having a break here, and then we'll uh, continue our ride and, and more crossings. So we've just come up uh, a cycle track alongside the A2, past Swanscombe, Ebbsfleet International Station. Lots of house building going on, isn't there? Certainly is. And they're... Um, advertising it as Ebbsfleet to London in 17 minutes. So imagine it's busy now. It's going to get even busier in the future. And we're next to a substation as well, aren't we, Steve? So, this is, a, is um, clearly an important substation because there's a veritable forest of pylons around us. We've never seen so many. You must come on this ride just to admire the power pylons. The South Fleet, where we're at, fleets are usually rivers. So we're at South Fleet, so there would have been a stream somewhere headed north to North Fleet on the river. A place of importance to me, North Fleet, where parts of my family were evacuated during the Blitz. You can tell me again when this uh, big Tufnell's Parcel Express lorry has passed by, because it's a bit noisy. Uh, my uh, my side came, uh, went to North Fleet after they'd been... Uh, where were out for the second time. Where were they in London? By um, Woolwich Arsenal. So they were um, they were in Bomb Alley there, and they were bombed out twice. First time not uh, not terminally for the house. Second time was just a hole in the ground. And North Fleet is where they were evacuated to. Yeah. So so we're at a pretty little village. We're now going to head sort of southwest from here uh, towards uh, Longfield, um, and then across to Farningham. There are no inclines involved, but there are an awful lot of railway crossings. <laughs> 42 and a half miles, as advertised. We're back at the old village cafe in Hayes. Thoughts on the ride, folks? Now the sun is out, it's actually a bit warm. Well, I have a, an observation on the ride. Having led it now for uh, no, four or five years, um, just once a year, that's what we do, but I think I am probably the only person who has read, ridden this ride more than once. <laughs> Make of that what you will. <laughs> so I was hoping, actually, that we'd have more actual physical crossings of railway lines. There was only one where we had to stop, ask the man, open the gate, dash across holding our bikes, or clatter across, uh, and then queue to get out the other side, hoping a train wouldn't come. Uh, but all the others were bridges or tunnels, well, not tunnels, but going under or over a railway line, weren't they? <laughs> Yes, um, it is a pity, but uh, that has uh, last year led to the, uh, the inclusion in uh, the Bigfoot um, road messages, the calls that we do, like holes left, hole right. We have now included train left or train right as a result of doing the Green Hive run. Again, it's just an innovation. It's innovation. Thank you. And look at that. Steve just ordered himself a, an ice cream sundae. It's summer. Yeah. <laughs>
find the route and photos on the website bigfootcc.co.uk forward slash podcast. Next, whatever happened to all those old Royal Mail bikes? I used to see posters slogging up from Elmer's End in the early morning on a fully laden bike heading stoically along Stone Park Avenue which kicks up sharply to become a wall at the traffic lights with Manor Way. Good luck with a hill start there. The Royal Mail had thousands of these red Pashley Mail stars until 2014 and they were heading for scrap until they were rescued by an innovative project and given a new lease of life. My name's George Furnival. I'm the UK manager of a charity called Krizovac Project, which has a social enterprise in the UK called Elephant Bike. We're here at the Spin Cycle Festival at Kensington Olympia, and you've got three reconditioned postal bikes. I haven't seen a postal bike on the streets for some years, and I guess they've all been phased out, is that right? The majority of them have been decommissioned now, yes. The postal service decided that they weren't suitable for the way we use the post now, so they changed the system of, of delivery. And you've ended up taking about 16,000 of them? Yeah, we spent eight years driving up and down the UK with a pickup truck and a trailer, collecting them all from all the postal depots. And what's the idea of the project? We exist um, to support one particular township in Malawi, in Africa, um, to achieve long-lasting positive change through um, social enterprises. Um, so we send resources over to Malawi that um, they use to start businesses and bicycles are one of those resources that we send. So we collected all the Royal Mail bikes so we could send them out to Malawi. They're so robust, they're perfect for African roads, they're great for starting businesses, for getting goods to market. So that's the most obvious, is it's starting to take your vegetables to market, your chickens, that kind of thing. Bicycle taxi businesses are really, really common and popular. So you'll put a, a, a bench and a cushion on the back carrier and you can carry three or four people on there. Because they, yeah, they're quite long, aren't they? I'm just looking at the carrier on the back of this one and it must be about 18 inches, two feet long. It, it is, yeah, and it's designed officially to carry 20 kilos, but obviously in Malawi they've worked out it can carry a lot, lot more than that. <laughs> and how much maintenance do they need? They're, once they're done up, they need very little maintenance. The sealed drum uh, brakes and gears mean that, especially in Africa, there's on dusty roads, no dust or dirt gets into them. Um, so that's particularly handy. And then just robust tyres and great solid steel frame. Um, they need very, very little maintenance. Is anybody in Malawi using a bike to deliver the post? No. <laughs> There's no postal service in Malawi. There's PO boxes, so that <laughs> that would be beautiful, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> but people in this country have the chance to buy one. They do. It's to help us raise the funds needed to ship the bikes to Malawi, because it costs us around seven thousand pounds every time we send a container of bikes to Malawi. To help us raise that money, we're selling a limited edition of um, reconditioned postal bikes that we call elephant bikes. And every one that we sell in the UK sends another one to Malawi. But we're limiting that to a, a limited edition of 5,000 elephant bikes to be sold. We've been going for just over 18 months now. We've sold, we're coming up to 2,000 bikes um, that we've sold. We're a tiny team. We can only manage to refurbish about 80 a month. We work um, in partnership with our local Youth Offenders Institute because we want to build as much good into these bikes as we can. So they help us do, it, do the bikes up and they get their SciTech qualifications um, whilst they're working on them. How long are the bikes? I think the majority of them 
kind of 19, late 80s through the 90s for the majority of the bikes. We do we did take the the other model that Royal Mail called Millennium as well with the crossbar, um, which are typically a little bit older. Um, but most of these, I would say, were 90s. They've lasted really well. They do, yeah. And you, we can we can tell where they came from. If they were seaside bikes, they would be covered in rust from the salt spray. And some of them haven't lasted so well because of things like that. But generally, they're so rugged and robust. Um, you know, that makes them perfect for Africa, but really good for here as well. They're, they're perfect shopping bikes, you know, and town bikes. So um, just simple, solid, good engineering. And you're selling them for, what, £280 plus £30 delivery? That's right, yeah, yeah. We've tried to keep it as keen as we can, but it needed to fund the other bike going to Malawi. Well, good luck with the project. Thank you. What happens when you run out of post bikes? Uh, we've always got our eye on the next thing. We would dearly love to start manufacturing bikes. Um, that's, that's, we've got a couple of years before we have to worry too much about that. You can find out much more about the project and how to get your hands on one of these bikes by going to elephantbike.co.uk. Okay, the word iconic has already cropped up in this podcast and it certainly applies to the mountain in Miles Davidson's audio diary that you're about to hear. He and seven other club members wanted to climb Mont Ventoux, the giant of Provence, the site of Tom Simpson's sad death in 1967, but more recently the mountain where Chris Froome found himself running up that hill after a crash in the Tour de France. Not content with riding 21 kilometres up the 1,900-metre hill, our Bigfoot team decided to attempt the ascent from all three roads up Mount Ventoux in one day, a feat recognised by the Club des Sangles de Mont Ventoux. Well, here we are. This is the beginning of uh, Bigfoot 8 heading out down towards the very much of the south of France. In the car, we've got, say hello, we've got Kevin, Kevin Brennan, hello. Luke Nunn, hello, back, yeah. Tom Bowman and Pete Roseblade. Uh, Kevin is our appointed health and safety officer. Kev, tell me, what kit have we brought, not, not with the bike kit, just to make sure that we're compliant in France? We have brought GB stickers. Tick. First aid kits. Done. I've tied these jackets. Cuddly toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Breathalyzers. Which we learnt you don't actually need, by no, the way. Tip, no. tip for the future. <laughs> While strictly legal, apparently there is no fine and no one enforces it. So we're currently on the Euro Tunnel and uh, we have just arrived. We, we can see daylight. We're in French France. Um, got circa nine or ten hours riding. Uh, riding? I wish. Nine or, ten, nine or ten hours of driving ahead of ourselves. And uh, I, I think, well, considering it is now 6.40 a.m., the boys are all in good spirits. Um, and we'll update you as we go. So we've just uh, arrived at, uh, at the hotel from Mount Ventoux. We think it's taken us about 13 hours to get here, actual travelling time. All's well. Unfortunately, um, the weather's closed in a little bit. Uh, it looks like we won't be able to ride uh, tomorrow, which is the day we'd intended to. But fortunately, we've got a little day uh, behind that, so we should be able to ride on the Saturday. So I'm here with the Bigfoot 8. We've just stopped for a little cafe break as we are on Friday the 16th. We're just taking a very easy ride around the Gorge de la Nesque. Um, and actually, I'm here with Kevin Brennan, and uh, I think, Kevin, how would you summarise that small little, uh, you know, the, the, the last 20 minutes cycling? Uh, without doubt, the best 
bit cycling I've ever done in my life. It was absolutely fabulous. It's fantastic. Great scenery. Uh, lovely road. It's great. Great fun. Oh, the company was all right. Apart from Tom, who fell over. Obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, just quickly, uh, t- t- talk us through that. Uh, talk us through that, like, that that special moment. What what happened in your own words? I still don't know what happened. The front wheel disappeared from beneath me. Before I knew it, I was on my front. Everyone laughing. And and what what? How would you calculate the speed at the at the time of uh, impact? Super speed, speed of light. Almost <laughs> <laughs> like about five miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Something below five, I would suggest. Yeah. So I think this is definitely the calm before the storm. We're all thinking uh, we, we come out for a nice, easy ride. Uh, and I'm taking it extremely, ext- extremely easy is, is the word uh, before tomorrow. But what we've just learned and. Uh, Pete, you might help me summarise this. We've just learned that tomorrow there is a very large contingent from Belgium. Um, circa 3,000... 3,000 people coming from Belgium tomorrow or are here and are going to ride to the top of one two, starting at the three different, uh, three different start points. Um, and it's to do with uh, a kidney transplant uh, charity. Uh, there's also going to be a Tom Simpson Memorial Day with Helen Simpson... Um, in attendance and the ride is going to be started at nine o'clock by Eddie Merckx from Bedouin. So with a bit of luck we may uh, we may get to see the great man at some stage. So that'll be tomorrow. So that'll be fantastic. So it sounds to us as though we couldn't have picked a better moment. It's going to be a complete cycling mecca. We've already decided that we're going to give away Duncan. Duncan has uh, has offered a very nice gesture for the Tom Simpson Memorial. Duncan, what are we going to do uh, at some point tomorrow when we're all together, of course? Uh, when we're all together, yes. Uh, we're all going to sign one of the big big heart caps and leave it at the memorial for Tom Simpson uh, just to show our appreciation and obviously everyone come past will see the Bigfoot logo on the cap and uh, just nice for everyone Fantastic. So that's that's this is the cafe report the day before the big day's event. Um, we are thinking we might try and do some actual live uh, commentary on one of the climbs, but um, well, we'll see how we feel before we do that. There's no promise on that. And uh, that's it from us until the next exciting instalment tomorrow. Well, not only is it the day of the ride, but it's uh, it, it's the first climb, and uh, I'm currently sitting at the Tom Simpson Memorial. Uh, so that's 21 kilometres of the 22 kilometre climb, and I'm joined with by Dave Tibbles and Tom Beaumont. And uh, guys, perhaps one of you can just uh, give a synopsis of what we've just done and the view we've now got. Well, it was uh, pretty tough. Uh, still trying to get my breath back at the moment, but we have been so fortunate with the weather that it is absolutely stunning. Uh, not a cloud in the sky, a little bit of breeze, but nothing too horrendous. Uh, and I think there's probably more breeze by the the guys that are on the the sportif that's happening today coming past us because <laughs> they were going pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, Tom, I don't know if you've got any comments as well. Yeah, we tried our best for a little while to hang with them, but it didn't last for long. (laughs) 20 seconds, maybe. But, yeah, thoroughly enjoying it and can't wait to get to the top. And, yeah, enjoy the rest of the day. One K to go. We have the iconic view in sharp focus. For the first time, it actually does look like we might get there. (laughs) (laughs) You can see as far as the eye can see. (laughs) And only two more to go. Yeah, two more climbs to go. So, so far, so good. Well, this is the sounds of the ascent number two. 
Um, and there's an absolute party atmosphere. There seems to be a lot of TV crews here, all for the Tom Simpson Memorial ride. And, um, well, I tell you what, the boys are feeling it now, all of us. If there was any doubt this is one, one H of a challenge, then um, at, at the top of the second climb, phrases like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done, followed by, oh, we've still got one more to do. Um, anyway, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal atmosphere. People are just, just you know, having a great time. All nationalities seem to be represented. Um, we got the, we're going to ascend all the way down to Salt now. Time for a little bit of lunch. Hopefully refuel before we get our head together for that uh, one more ascent. The Bigfoot 8 are now officially Mad Men of Vault 2. Well done, boys. It's been a... We are currently sitting, as one should, cafe culture style in the town of Bedouin, having, uh, I, I think for, for most of us would say, probably one of the toughest days in the saddle and one of the most rewarding days in the saddle, without a, da without a doubt. Um, I, think, do you, I think we did the, the, the order of the rides was exactly right. So we left Bedouin first from Mulsine, the second, and Salt, the third. The, uh, the descending is like nothing I think most of us have ever done before. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, the only small complaint, Tom and I were at the top waiting patiently, dying for our first beer, thinking, God, these boys are taking their time. Oh, that's right. They stopped for a London. Not all of us. Ah, oh, not all of them. No, no. Yeah, and, not... Not, and, and a chat with a French bloke. Don't worry about that. Yeah. spreading Bigfoot community. Oh, the Bigfoot community oh, actually, was being spread. Guy, we actually gave yeah. him... Donna, we, we actually gave him one of the uh, beer gels. Oh yes, I think we have corrupted at least one Frenchman on this trip, which is the sign of a great, uh, a, um, a great trip. That was the Adnams beer gel, which I think Duncan put us onto some time ago. Luke had carried this around in your back pocket for all oh, the best part of the year. By the way, Luke, is there any chance that was actually in date? No, I checked the date. It was March 2017. Fantastic, marvellous. So the French bloke at the side of the road who offered you water got an out-of-date gel. Yes, and he's never been more excited at what he was seeing. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a wrap for now. Uh, maybe some reflective thoughts, but other than that, uh, um, we think this should be on the. This should definitely be on the wish list, the bucket list of everyone in Bigfoot. It's an absolute. It's a, it's a yeah. tremendous. Yeah, yeah. But and, never again. So, in fact, quick question around the table: um, Who here, however, would do it again? No, David. No. Uh, that's a no from Duncan. Tom. Yes. Tom is a yes, good lad. No. It's a no from Pete Roseblade. Maybe actually. Uh, maybe maybe I really enjoyed it. Dave. I had really, nice. really enjoyed it. It was hard. It was good. Fantastic. Kev? No way on earth. No way on earth. Luke, you must be kidding. You must be kidding. And I think it's a tick from me. It's done. It's been a phenomenal, phenomenal ride. We, uh, yeah, yeah. You can, uh, you can stop and buy us beer if you want a personal recount of this story anytime you like. In the George. In the George. So I think that's a perfect time to uh, wrap up and say uh, thank you for listening. Au revoir. Congratulations and many thanks to Miles and all of the Bigfoot 8 for taking time to record a memorable audio diary. There are photos and links on bigfootcc.co.uk forward slash podcast. 
Checking the stats for the Cycling Life podcast, it appears we have listeners around the world, including the United States, New Zealand, Germany, the Netherlands, France, Croatia and Russia. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast, so please leave your comments on SoundCloud or iTunes, or you can tweet at BigfootCC. Next time, we'll hear about the food, the sights, the heat and the cycling through France from Saint-Malo to Nice. I'm Andy Ivey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.